Good morning. How about we pray before we have a look at God's Word? Heavenly Father, we're reminded through today's passage that you're a God who speaks to us and that through your words you make us wise for salvation. So Lord, we pray that as we come to your word today that you will speak to us clearly and that we will be encouraged and strengthened and challenged to live for you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, but I think uh, in 21st century Brisbane, uh, we can be pretty comfortable. We're so blessed as Christians in Australia. I mean, look around us. we got a great property. This hall fills a couple hundred people comfortably. It's all set up like a science lab for a couple hundred kids tomorrow. We've got people who step up here and there to lead ministries. We've got a couple of pastors, a handful of elders, and a couple of students. We're doing all right financially. We've got all we need. We've got a sound system, big fans, a glass lectern, four projectors, which only two work today. And with all these blessings and good things, we can be easily lulled into thinking that we're doing all right, that we're sweet, and nothing else needs to be done, that you and I can just sit back and relax. We can get so comfortable that we lose our sense of urgency, both as Christians and as a church. Today we're looking at passage 2, Timothy 3, and if you were listening just then to the tone of the passage, Paul is anything but comfortable. You can read, you can feel and sense the urgency in Paul's writing. You see, Paul's in prison, and for him, time was running out. He was on death row, so it was his last days. And he's writing to Timothy, his disciple, his co-worker, his spiritual son. And he's almost pleading with Timothy to understand what the last days are going to be like. But before we jump in and look at this passage I want to tell you why this passage relates to us. You see, this passage is about Paul pleading to Timothy about living for the gospel in the last days. And the last days, they're not looking forward to a far-fetched time in the future. It's actually referring to the time between Jesus' first and second coming. So Paul was living in the last days. Timothy was living in the last days. And guess what? We're also living in the last days. And Paul has a sense of urgency about living for these last days. And I just wonder if we today have this same sense of urgency or not. So as we look at Paul's words to Timothy about living for the gospel, we also want to think about how God wants us to live today, here and now, in the last days. So let's have a look, if you have a Bible, to verse 1. Uh, Paul begins this section with an imperative, a command. He says, but understand this. There's an important truth, some reality that Paul wants Timothy to get and to grasp here. And this is it, verse 1. That in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. You see, Paul wants Timothy to understand the reality of the last days. And it's not going to be a walk in the park. It's not time to sit back and relax. It's going to be difficult, wild, even violent. And we find as we read on, 
a snapshot into what these last days are going to be like, if you keep reading on. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unpeaceable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having an appearance of godliness but denying its power. We don't have time to unpack each word and each idea here, but it's pretty obvious that it's one grim picture of these last days. In a nutshell, these guys, they they don't love God. In fact, they love anything other than God. They love themselves, money, things, and pleasure. You see, their behavior is just plain ungodly. But it might surprise you that this isn't just a picture of society. It's not talking about the world. Paul's actually painting a picture here of people in the church, people in Timothy's assembly and congregation. Have a look at verse 5. We get a clue. These people, they have an appearance of godliness. They look like Christians. They smell like Christians. They might even speak or act like Christians. But in the end, they don't know the gospel. They haven't truly accepted Jesus. They aren't being transformed by the gospel, and therefore they're denying its power. You see in verses 1 to 9, Paul wants Timothy to understand the reality of the last days. And this reality from verses 1 to 5 is the godlessness of certain people within the church. There are people who are denying the power of the gospel, whether it's in their lives or through their influences. And as we read on in verses 6 to 9, Paul points out in particular one group among all these people he's described, just one example. And this group, uh, its ministry strategy is something like this. Verse 6, they creep into households, they're sly and cunning, and they target the weak and insecure. And the fruits of the teaching is found in verse 7. These people, these women that they target, they never arrive at the truth. They never get to the gospel, the saving message of Jesus. Why? It's because these people, they aren't teaching it. These guys are imposters, fakes like Janus and Jambres, the fake Egyptian magicians in Exodus. They're the dirty car salesmen that rip you off instead of giving you the gospel. It's clear here that Paul is talking about people in the church, a bunch of false teachers in the church. You see, Paul wants Timothy to understand this. This is the reality of the last days. There's people in the church who are downright plain godless. They deny the power of the gospel. And some of them, they're like dirty car salesmen. I'm sure you've all had that experience. Fakes, imposters who are wrecking havoc in the church. And he's telling Timothy here, don't be naive. Don't ignore it. Don't simply tolerate it. But instead, understand it and be ready to deal with it. In fact, Paul tells Timothy to avoid these people in verse 5. Have nothing to do with them. They're disqualified in the faith anyway, and their deceit will be plain to all, verses 8 and 9. These godless people and false teachers. This is the reality of the last days. 
it was for Timothy, and it's the same for us today. Timothy was an elder, and Paul wants Timothy to deal with these dirty car salesmen. And today, if you're a pastor or an elder or leader in any way, shape, or form, you have to be on the front foot in dealing with these false teachers, not being naive, not ignoring, not tolerating, but making sure that there's not even a sniff of this in our church. And this goes from what happens in kids' church to kids' club, all the way to our life groups and our Sunday services. Not even a sniff of false teaching. There's only one saving message, and that's the work of Jesus on the cross for our sins. And maybe not many of us are in the shoes of Timothy. You might not be a pastor or an elder or a leader in the church, but we all need to understand this reality. They're false teachers, dirty car salesmen, godless people who deny the gospel floating around in the church. Well, how do you see them? How do we as a church deal with them? Maybe you ignore it. It could never happen here. Maybe you just see it, but you tolerate it. It can't be that bad, right? And while you tolerate it, others are getting hurt, confused, victimized, and they hear the wrong gospel. They hear the wrong message. Let's understand Paul's instruction to Timothy. Avoid them. Have nothing to do with them. I think what this means is we still love them. We still teach them the gospel. But you avoid them. Don't let them influence you. Don't let them be an example for you. Don't follow them or encourage them in their godlessness. Paul's pleading to Timothy here to live for the gospel in the last days. And in verses 1 to 9, Paul wants Timothy to understand this is the reality of the last days. But as we reach verse 10, uh, we find Paul changing gears a bit. You see, Paul begins in verse 10 with a contrasting statement. He says, but you, however, and he begins to address Timothy directly by using words like me and you. And here, after painting this reality, Paul sets up this contrast and directs Timothy in how to actually live in these last days. And there's three things that Paul wants Timothy to get. And the first thing is to follow the godly. You see, Paul's just painted this picture of these godless false teachers in the church. And now, in verse 10, he challenges Timothy, are you going to follow me or these false teachers? He says in verse 11, have a read, you followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings. So Timothy has seen Paul in action. He knows Paul's godliness and Paul's gospel focus through and through. Timothy saw Paul's rock-solid faith in Antioch, Iconium, Lystra. We read about it in Acts, if you have a look. He's preaching the gospel again and again while crowds were trying to stone and kill him. But now these upstart false teachers, they're coming in and they're influencing the church. And Timothy's got this dilemma. Paul or these false teachers. So how does Timothy live for the gospel in these last days. Well, Paul's saying, you followed me, you know me, I'm godly, 
I'm working for the gospel. Don't follow them. They're not like me at all. Follow me. How are we going to live in the last days? In the midst of godlessness, false teachers, imposters, and fakes? Well, point one is here, follow the godly. Follow the people that you know, their teaching, conduct, aim, patience, and love. It reflects Paul and ultimately reflects Jesus, the gospel. So let me ask you today, who are you following? Who are your influence? Who sets the trends in your life? Maybe it's a friend, a colleague, someone in your family, a celebrity, someone you look up to. Think about what they teach or the example they are or how they live. Are these people moving you to godliness, to Christ, to the gospel, or are they moving you away from Jesus? You might call me a Facebook stalker, but one of the bad things about Facebook is that you get to see what other people are doing, what they like, what they follow, and what they share. And on a couple of occasions, I see people who are friends, who are Christians, and they're liking and sharing and following these quotes from people. And I see these things, and I'm thinking, I know this guy heard his teaching, I've read his stuff, and I'm pretty sure he's a false teacher. I'm pretty sure he or she doesn't teach Christ and him crucified, and you're sharing, you're liking, you're following that. Make sure we're following godly people, people who are on the gospel. Check their teaching, check their beliefs, look at their track record. Think about the godly influences in your life. I was really encouraged again on Facebook. I saw Sam McCullough farewelling his granddad, and he said about his granddad that he was handing gospel tracts in the streets of Bundaberg at the age of 93. What a godly influence that is. One of my influences is a mentor that I've been meeting up with for over 12 years. Daryl has a coach. I mean, if Daryl has a coach, let's hope he's a Queenslander. (laughs) If he needs a coach and he has one, I think it's a good idea for us to think about having one also. We all look up to godly people. So who are you following? Maybe today God wants you to look for a godly figure in your life that you can follow, that you can be mentored by, that you can be discipled by. Someone who, instead of leading you away from the gospel, who can point you and grow you in Christ. So how should we live for the gospel in the last days? Well, we're to follow the godly. And the second thing Paul wants Timothy to know here is that Christians will be persecuted. We find this in verse 12 and 13. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. See how Paul doesn't say that Christians maybe, might be, or will probably be persecuted? You see, it's a certainty to Paul that those who live for Jesus and continue to live for Jesus will endure some sort of suffering and persecution. We read about in Acts and Paul's letters that we can see Paul's very familiar with being persecuted just for the sake of the gospel. And this time, um, 
of persecution, it's not going to end anytime soon. That's what the last days are going to be like. Verse 13 says, Evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. There's no relief in sight. It's this vicious cycle of persecution of the gospel. We can see it in the world today. So Paul wants Timothy to get this fact about the last days. Because Paul knows, he knows that tough, difficult, and violent times are ahead for Timothy. You see, Paul's experienced it himself. He's seen riots, stonings, imprisonment, and impending death. He knows what it means to live for Jesus. And as we are still in these last days, we need to know this too. If I am, if you are, going to live for Jesus today, know that we will face persecution. I'm speaking at a camp next weekend, going through four talks in 1 Peter. And one talk is about the fact that uh, we're foreigners in this world and that we need to live in this world showing that we're foreigners, that we belong to God. And as a byproduct of this kind of living, people are going to see our different lifestyle, our gospel lifestyle, and we'll suffer because of that. Maybe for most of us, uh, it's not going to be like in Paul's time. Uh, things are changing slowly in the future, but right now, in Brisbane, Australia, we're not going to get stoned or killed because of our desire to live for Jesus. No, it may not be as extreme as that, but we'll definitely be ridiculed, mocked, looked down upon. As you live for Jesus, people will hate you. They'll think you're a weirdo, one of those religious fanatics that we see on TV. My friends from school, uh, we get along real fine, but they still call me a weirdo for going to church and doing what I do. As you share the gospel with others, people won't talk to you. You might not get that promotion. Estranged from your friends and family. Living for the gospel in these last days means that you'll face persecution. You'll suffer for living a godly life in Christ Jesus. It's not a comfortable life yet, but it will be when we get to heaven, but not today. It's going to be tough, so don't be surprised, but be ready for it as you live for Jesus. And take hope because we look forward to life with Jesus for eternity. Now as we move on to verses 14 to 17, we find the final thing that Paul wants Timothy to get. And here Paul pleads, continue in God's word. Have a look at verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you've learnt and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learnt it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You see, Timothy, he grew up with God's word. He heard the gospel through God's word. It made him wise for salvation. He learnt it and he's firmly believed it. And now in these last days, as false teachers and godless people, they seek to influence the church as they spread godless teaching. And they probably twist the Bible for their own gospel-denying teaching. Paul exhorts Timothy here, live for the gospel in the last days. Continue in God's word. 
because it points us to Jesus. It makes you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus. These other guys, these fakes, these imposters, they deny God's power. They're disqualified in the faith. Don't listen to them. You see, God's word reveals to us the gospel, the saving message of Jesus, the power of God for salvation. How else will we impact 270 kids for their whole lives? Well, games and food, they're fun, but it's through God's word that makes us wise for salvation. So continue in God's word. Stick with scripture and sound doctrine. And Paul backs up this point here with a factual statement about God's word. Have a read in verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed, is breathed out by God, and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Continue with God's word, because it's from God. It's authoritative and sufficient for life and equips God's people to live for Jesus. You see, Timothy doesn't need to have an ear for these godless fakes. He shouldn't be influenced by their teaching and ministry. He's got the scriptures. So to live for the gospel in these last days, Paul says, continue in God's word. And as we live in, our, in these last days, our context is, in essence, pretty similar to Paul's in the world, in the church. There's false teaching, misleading ideas. There's godless influences. And for us, as Christ's followers, God's word orients us to the gospel. It tells us of the hope and the grace found in Jesus alone. So we're to continue in God's word. We're to keep using it, teaching it, defending it, holding on to it. You see, it's from God, and it makes us wise for salvation. You might be saying right now, yeah, I do use God's word, but let me ask you, how, how do you view it? Is it like a fridge? You go to it and get some feel goods. Is it like a first aid kit? You go to it when you need some help. Is it like a textbook? You go to it to gain some head knowledge. Maybe we should view it more as like a Swiss army knife, or I was gonna say an iPhone. God's word does many things. But I don't think that's still it yet. Maybe we should view God's word like breathing fresh air. You see, it's our sustenance for life. We need it to live for God, to find life and to continue living. And without it, we're dead and doomed. Paul tells us to continue in God's word. So how do we grow in the gospel? How do we grow in our understanding of God and how to live as his people. Well, we don't need to have some super spiritual experience or pay big bucks to see some self-help speaker. God has revealed himself clearly through his word for us to understand, to know God and to live for him. We just need to continue in God's word, to live it, read it, breathe it. How do we discern between true and false teaching? How do we know what God thinks about uh, issues that are prevalent in our society today? Well, we can't use our culture or society as a cue to what's right and wrong. Where else are we going to find God's teaching? 
Where else are we going to find out how God wants, to live, wants us to live in our world? Where else do we find out what God says about issues like gay marriage, creation, women in ministry, abortion, refugees, how we run and do church? Where else do we find the true gospel proclaimed in its fullness? Where else but God's word? So we need to continue in and to use God's word. So is your Bible or is your Bible app suffering from overuse or is it collecting dust in the corner? Will you continue in God's word? So as we've seen in this passage, Paul's pleading with Timothy to live for the gospel in these last days. How are we going to live for the gospel in the last days? Well, Paul says that he wants us to understand the reality, that there's a sense of urgency. We can't just sit back and relax or slip into a lull, that we need to keep living for and fighting for Jesus because there's false teachers, there's godless people who deny the gospel and they're floating around the world and the church. And we're to live for the gospel in the last days by following the godly, godly men and women knowing that we'll face persecution and by continuing in God's word. God saved us in Christ Jesus and he wants us to live for him, to stand firm in the gospel, to stay strong in Christ Jesus. So let's finish today by praying to this end. Let's pray. You've blessed us so abundantly, Lord. We look around today and we see your provision for Kids Club, your provision for our church over many years, and your provision in our lives. We pray that you'll guard us from being comfortable with what you've given us. Help us to realize, as Paul did, that we're to live in these last days with a sense of urgency. Help us not to slip into ungodliness in our lives but to be alert and to find where there's false teachings and things that lead people away from Jesus. Lead us to godly examples. Protect and sustain us through suffering and persecution as we live for you. And help us to treasure and to be taught by your word in all of life. We're so privileged, Lord, to have a God who speaks to us clearly and personally. Lord, we pray that you keep reminding us of the saving message that you offer out to us. And Lord, help us to live in response by living for Jesus who died and rose again for us. It's in his name we pray. Amen.